Before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. Hey, this is Liz. And this is Heather. And we are Nerdy Bitches Podcast. A show where two geeky ladies podcast their way through pop culture. From movies and TV to our regular book club and everything in between, we bring you our favorite fandoms with a feminine eye. We're talking Star Wars, Star Trek, Harry Potter, DC Marvel, comic books, and anime. And don't forget sci-fi, fantasy, action movies, video games, D&D, board games, and so much more. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbeam, or wherever you find awesome podcast. You can also find us hanging out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and at nerdybitches.com. Talk to you soon. Hello and welcome. Five listeners, you're listening to an Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast called Perhaps It's You. Oh, yeah, it is. I'm Samantha. <laughs> Why did I say that? My name is Liz. You know what? Intros aren't, are, they're hard, okay? We s- I'm sure other struggle. people have them down, but it's always just a little bit, a little awkward. I don't know. No, but we we're press glad record. you're here. We're talking into a microphone. It's all the intro we need. As long as we say the name of our podcast, which we often don't. Which sometimes, in the beginning, that didn't always happen. But we've learned. We've we've grown. You've stayed with us somehow. Bless you. Satan bless you. Thank you. Yes. Hi, everyone. I hope you're well. We're here to talk about Unsolved Mysteries. Um, do we have any updates to start off with? I was trying to think if we did, and I, I don't know that I do. Do you, Are you going to talk about the fire fast thing? I really want to talk. I, that's all I want to talk about. Uh, I, mean, let's I just, could talk about it forever. Let's do just you, talk about okay, it. So I've watched both now. Okay. I've watched so the Hulu I. and the Netflix. Which one do you like more? Do you have a preference? I like the Netflix one more, but I do sort of feel like you need to watch both. Okay. In case people don't know what we're talking about. Some point a while ago when we were talking about scams, I mentioned the fire fast, though I probably called it the fry fast because that's a mistake that I make a lot because I I think I thought it was associated with like fry electronics and also just why call your festival fire with a Y that's dumb but anyway real dumb anyway we had brought this up as an example of scams and I said at the time like I'm not sure how much of this was a con versus people getting in over their head so I was very excited to watch in one week, we got two fucking documentaries. One on Netflix. A, a, another blessing. One on Hulu. I think the Netflix one was like announced first or whatever. And then Hulu was like, we're going to put one together too. Fuck you. So I watched the Netflix one first. Same. I think I prefer it. But I also tend to have unanswered questions. Yeah, this is <clears throat> my take on it is that the Hulu one, I hesitate to say that it's more accurate because i don't know that anything in the netflix one was not true i just think that the netflix one is produced in such a way that makes it a little bit misleading and also downplays some of the responsibility of some people who appear in the documentary and they also leave a lot of things out so i thought i got more information and more credible information from the hulu one but it's not quite as i don't want to say well produced because it is well produced but the um, Netflix one has more footage. They have more behind-the-scenes people interviews. Mm-hmm. There's um, a few funny... There's funny moments in both of them, but the Netflix one is, like, supreme. I don't want to... In case you haven't watched it, I don't want to ruin this, the... like, mind-blowing moment. <laughs> but there's this dude in there that 
god damn he's the only person that comes off well i just want to be his friend well he you know seems what? like a good friend he's loyal to the end and he would do anything for you he would. and i honestly really admire him so uh there was just that so aside that the netflix one left out i think it I, is when i watched the Hulu one, well because the netflix one was produced by the fuck jerry guys and people who were former employees of fire so they make themselves look pretty good yeah and i don't know that that's entirely accurate but i don't know that anything they said was wrong it just or incorrect or I a think lie after seeing all documentaries have a bias Exa- and you can yes. argue to what extent filmmakers should try to remove that bias but i think after watching the hulu one you sort of can look back on the netflix one and see that bias mm-hmm. in a way that they probably don't appreciate because definitely they're trying to make certain players look better Less or just leaving some sure. information out or just pr- pr- showing them in a slightly better light than maybe they deserve right a lot of people are pleased to see that billy mcfarlane the mastermind of this con is interviewed in the hulu one i didn't think i got that much out no, of his interviews because he doesn't say much he's and just like oh i can't comment on that he comes off as being insincere and a con man but we know that already from all of the stories so i, guess I don't know the benefit of the netflix one being made by fire festival people as they had all this behind the scenes footage because they were fucking there right and, and they were filming everything as i was watching it i was like how did they get this stuff oh that's how yeah. it's like literally from their phone probably and their cameras because they had all of right. this like equipment they sp- i was like how did they get access to all this stuff it's like well well they that's them it's them yeah. <laughs> It's not someone else handing it over to them. It's literally from them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know that Billy really, he just keeps saying like, oh, I can't really comment on that because he, he's getting sued. Right. So he doesn't want to, it's kind of useless that he's there, honestly. Yeah. He, I don't, I didn't think I, he added much to it at all. I think the Netflix one, at least for most of it, is trying to like dance this line of like, oh, Maybe he was just swept away in this. Da, 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 da. And then the Hulu one is like, this guy's a lifelong con man. Yes. He made cons before. He made cons immediately after. Yeah. He does not give a fuck. He made fuck. cons while he was out on bail. Yeah. Which you should not have been doing. And someone is like, when you're, I don't know if you've ever been out on bail, but that's when you should be committing the least number of crimes, <laughs> which I really appreciated because he immediately started conning again. Yeah. He's just. He can't help himself. He is just a pathological liar i i don't know if that's like a clinical term but whatever a compulsive liar and yeah just a con man to the bone yes so that that answered that question i still don't really get his like end game like what did he think was going to happen when all of these people come to this supposed festival that is nothing that's basically nothing they've basically just gone to this gravel pit with a few tents propped up i honestly think that he has up until the point where the fire festival fell apart he lived this life where no matter what he did someone came in and cleaned it up right yeah. he found another investor who gave him more money you know he did another scam and it didn't he get just caught. sort of assumes that somehow it would come together yeah. and enough that he could like get away with it yeah and he's you know living the life where it's like well nothing bad's gonna ever happen to me he feel i honestly think he felt I'll just get away with it. And he didn't care who he hurt in the process, so whatever. Sort of like the Amy's baking thing, which I missed out on the social media fallout when that happened. But when this happened, social media was so fun to, like... Oh, yeah. Just dunk on 
on the fire festival <laughs> was just like a great couple of days because it was memes just that came out of that thing yeah just yeah just Some like of the lord of the rings history. style pandemonium lord like, of the flies oh yeah <laughs> that is someone was gonna correct us on that one i'm sorry different lords yes I mean, maybe also rings, Lord of the Rings. flies, they're about the same, right? We all uh, know it. It's similar. Um, yes. It's, I, I really recommend watching both. So enjoyable. I watched the Netflix one Friday night, the Hulu one Saturday night. It was a great way to spend my weekend. Honestly, delightful. Yeah. And I'm gonna fascinating. Make, I, and I'm going to make Travis watch the Netflix one with me again because he was working Friday night. So. Oh, yeah. He has to watch it. I, he yeah. has to. He came in last night just as I was finishing the Hulu one and I was like, just so you know, I'm making you fucking watch this. This is just bananas. Lo- he loves documentaries. He's going to love it. Yeah, he does. He, although the problem he has is that he doesn't, he likes to watch documentaries where that are like about the building big ships. He doesn't like to watch documentaries that make you angry. And this one has moments where, like, I think he's yeah, going to be true. really upset by the exploitation of the local, bah- I don't know, the people who live in the Bahamas. I wasn't sure what to call them. Bahamians? I'm, Bahami- uh, Bahamians? Bahamians? Yeah. I'm not sure. sure. I think he'll find that upsetting. Well, it's upsetting. It's it disgusting. is. Disgusting. But I kind of enjoy that rage, you know? Yeah, that, a little bit. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm one of those people that doesn't mind watching documentary Honestly, that makes me hate like- humanity. I realize Billy McFarlane is probably never going to go back to the Bahamas, and actually they... He's like, banned for life. He's banned <laughs> for life, which is kind of amazing. But can he be tried in some sort of international court? Is there some, like... I don't know, because he owes the Bahamas lots of money. Like, it wasn't even just, like, the individual locals really got screwed. People that like he owes, like, all these restaurant customs owners. fees. Yeah, and he yeah. Owned, yeah the, he really hurt the Bahamas, too, because he didn't pay all those customs fees. They had, like, a five-year contract that obviously he did not honor. Well, I'm sure they had to clean up all that mess. Yeah. And they're because they just know. bounced. It's not like they were there picking up the FEMA tents. No. You know? So it's like... No, absolutely not. He just got the fuck out. Well, because people put out death threats on him mm-hmm. for not paying them, which I was like, yeah, you're you're not in the U.S., dude. Like, right. don't fuck with people like that. No. You'll get what you deserve. I, w- I would like to see him tried with... Probably not war crimes, but if there's something else. Or they, can, can they sue him? Like, I'm not sure how it works, yeah. but it seems like there has to be some way. I did see that. So there's, they talked to a woman who ran this restaurant and had to do, like, catering. And she had people working, like, 24 hours a day and didn't get paid. And after the Netflix documentary came out that interviewed her a lot, she set up a GoFundMe and people like reimbursed that money that she lost because she had put like her whole retirement savings and stuff into into paying her employees out of her own pocket and then she just never got paid for it it's tragic so people have given her that money back but it's also like that's not the responsibility of just random people who watched that and felt bad like it's it's incredible but it's not you know yeah yeah i'm glad people did that she deserves the money but it's also like that's not on you. That's on this jerk face. Right. <laughs> like, who Which, is like the most smug motherfucker? Oh my god. Yeah, he has a very punchable face. Yeah, he just. <sighs> I, there's so much to say. We could do like a twelve whole sh- yeah. shows about it, but I, I mean, I definitely recommend checking both of them out just to get. And then I really, by the end of the Hulu one, I was like, "Where's the fucking money?" Yeah. Because he doesn't pay anyone. He doesn't get anything done. I realize he, like, spends some, some money on stupid things, right? He's paying Kylie Jenner or Kendall Jenner. $100,000. But that's only $100,000. I realize that's huge, but it's like... Well, I know... He's selling these, like, like, villas and cabanas that don't exist and, like, having people put money on wristbands they never use. Like, 
Where the fuck's that money? Well, I know, like, specifically, so what the Netflix documentary did not explain, but the Hulu one did with those wristbands was that he got this loan, but it was such a huge loan that the, and the interest on it was like $6 million. Yes. And he required like a, what, $2 million immediate payment or something? Yeah. They he basically from, got a loan have. from a loan shark. So, so he got all of these people who had tickets to put money, to charge money onto these wristbands, I'm doing air quotes, and then he took all that money and paid that with it. So Which it's just like, means people would have been there trying to buy stuff and wouldn't have had anything on their wristband. Right. Which the wristbands didn't work because they didn't have internet access, you know. Oh so my God. it wouldn't have mattered. Any, like it's, it's just such... And then in the Hulu one, the other thing that was like... So they had rented out people's houses because they had promised people they would have these like luxury accommodations that never got built. But then he's like, yeah, we had all the keys in the box and then we lost the box. I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking? What? No, he, they, he just didn't have those houses. Do you think? Yeah, because that, the island was like completely booked. Because yeah. they had that sailing event that the island is full every year. And people, they said in the, I'm not sure which documentary, but they said people reserve rooms a year, year in, in advance. Because that's like the and biggest they started, event. And they started doing this four months in advance. So all of those houses were booked. I think he sold what he didn't have. And yeah, when people arrived, yeah. he was like, oh, I lost the keys. Oh my god! I just I think he never had them. Yeah, they showed like one person that managed to get a house, and the rest of the people are just fighting over FEMA tents in the night, <laughs> stealing with, mattresses, and that one guy was peeing on stuff. I hate him. <laughs> he was like trying to keep other people away from his tent by like destroying other tents. What an absolute fucker! If anybody sees that guy, punch him in the face, please. What an interesting, though, what, like, a fascinating social experiment to just, like, pluck Instagram influencers and, like, drop them on an island with no internet, no accommodations. They have tents. None of the stuff they're promised. Yeah, cheese sandwiches and, like... Not enough water, but $2 million of booze booze. just, like, still on pallets. And just watch society crumble. Immediately. Right, like in five seconds yeah. it's just pandemonium and everyone's out for themselves i do feel i mean it's it's it was fun to like be like oh my god this is such a shit show blah 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 but i do feel bad that they were i feel like the if you got just the basic ticket that's the thing it's not fair to be because a lot of people love like you said dunking on these rich millennials but the thing of it is is that the rich one like the people who are wealthy that went there they're the, fine they, whatever they just got if they even left they got on a plane and immediately went back like the people who bought like the 500 hundred dollar economy tickets or whatever general yeah. admission what they yeah. called it they were the ones that were stranded there they thought for 500 dollars they were getting airfare accommodations food and a concert like that's a good deal yeah like that that it's it, not something everyone can afford yeah if that's, that's your vacation like that's a steal right so i so i feel bad for people who got stranded there and ultimately what i feel bad for is that they wasted their fucking vacation time which is yes. more valuable than gold yes. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so they get there and they're like they think they're gonna have this great account this like the vacation of their life right and maybe you know they saved up a lot of money for that or sold shit or whatever yep to go on this thing and then they get there and they're like what the fuck is this I don't get these okay, I don't get these vacation days back just because this is a total disaster. <laughs> no, it's really yeah, <sighs> fascinating. I honestly could talk about it forever. Okay, let's actually talk about Unsolved Mysteries okay. now. So we are on season three, episode thirteen. Lucky number thirteen. Ooh. It's not a Halloween episode, ready? unfortunately. Are you ready? Liz has the first one. Okay. 
I have a... A real long one. Yeah, this is quite long. I forget if they called this a Unexplained Death or... I didn't write down what they called this segment. But this is the story of Mark Dennis, who was a Navy medic in the Vietnam War. Um, so this is dating back to July 15th, 1966. And the story is that this guy who had wanted to become a missionary, Simon just gave me a look. Just the way you said that. You wanted to become a missionary. You wanted to become a missionary, which, whatever. I'll keep my thoughts myself on that. Uh, he signed up for the Vietnam War so that um, someone with a family wouldn't have to go. And he thought it would be good experience for him in his later missionary work. Okay. I'm sure he might so while you know deployed his unit is in a helicopter that takes fire and is shot down so we see a reenactment that god damn it probably includes his actual family at his house yep you know his dad pulls up or his brother and there's a navy vehicle sitting there and someone comes out of the house crying marky's dead it's terrible really really awful like obviously the worst possible news um so his remains are sent back to his family in ohio but the name is like look you probably don't really want to look at that and you know fair right yeah so, they were pretty badly burned as right, I recall. right so his family complies with that there's a service he's buried but then a couple years later there is an article in newsweek which published a photo of a POW in a POW camp in Vietnam. So this is happening in 1970. And his family becomes convinced that that photo is Mark Dennis. The resemblance is there, but it's also a really poor photo. It's a bad, grainy... Black and white, dark photo. Honestly, when they showed it, I was like, yeah, I get why they thought that, but also I feel like... From the photo we see of Mark Dennis, he has a pretty, like, pointy head. Mm-hmm. He has a long face and sort of a distinctive skull. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds terrible, but it's like... He has a very... This is a distinct shape. To comparing his head shape to the photo of the POW, I was like, yeah, that's not the same guy. Like, just to me. But also... It's a terrible photo. I think you would see whatever you wanted to see in that photo. That's the thing, too, and this is a bit of a spoiler, but we find out later that that's not him, and they know who it actually is. And honestly, they show a picture of the man who it is does not look like that photo. So I think it's just right. a factor of the shadows and the it angle. Just, you can sucks. take a photo of someone and it doesn't really look like them, especially if it's poor, it's grainy, yeah. you know, poor quality, it's dark, it's shadowed, like... yeah. So, at this point, his family becomes convinced that he's still alive and still in Vietnam. So, they ask for the Navy to send over his death certificate, at which point they find out that his body was identified, basically, by process of elimination because the remains were completely burned. Mm -hmm. So, they're hoping that at the end of the war, he's going to come home. Well, when the released POWs come back in 73, Mark is not among them. So they start to become suspicious of what they have buried in the cemetery and actually have those remains exhumed in order to examine them because 
they hear from this dentist who like once met a guy from Mark's unit who said, oh, no one in that unit actually thinks Mark's dead. He wasn't supposed to be on that helicopter, blah, blah, blah. But I don't remember that guy's name, so you can't track him down again, even though how many people could be in this unit? I don't really get that part. Yeah. It fuels this desire in them that their loved one is still alive. Still alive. Okay. So they have the body exhumed. And because of the state of remains, the the official way that it would be buried is you open up the casket. On top is his uniform. Below the uniform is a blanket covering the body. And two, attached to the blanket are the dog tags. This again fuels this family's suspicion because the dog tags have clearly never been worn. They still have sharp edges. And it looks like they've kind of been burnt, but like theatric like okay you know yeah like maybe they were brand new and and they were like oh we'll make these look like they've been in a helicopter crash yeah well when they talk to the military about it at first they say oh maybe they were it was thrown from the helicopter and the family's like that doesn't make sense and when they get an official word they're like no the dog tags weren't recovered because his body was so badly charred. These are new dog tags that were made on site. Symbolic. Yeah, to to identify and place with the body. and Which makes sense. There's no way you can recover the dog tags 100% of the time. No. This, and it's not like they're out there combing through the wreckage or in the, a war zone trying this to is the recover jungle. them. Yeah. They're like out scouring for, like, that's just impossible. Yeah. So I don't know that it was actually burnt. I'm sure that was just like the state of the metal or like, you know, like, yeah. I think they're, they're really looking for any tiny sign that maybe he's still alive. And I get that. It's just like, it's unfortunate to me that this gets dragged out for so long because they should be allowed to grieve. Right. And it would be better for them to have had the burial and gone through that process of grief. Right. But instead, it keeps getting like drawn out and prolonged because they're finding these little like fragments of what seems like hope, but I think is actually worse misguided well situations like this always remind me of that book we read by judy melanick the working stiff the one about her life as a medical examiner and how she talked about how common it is for families to not accept that the body of their loved one who died traumatically or died in any way is actually them like it could be like down to the like if the medical examiner neglects to record a tattoo even something small as small as that the families will sometimes refuse to like believe she, or not be able to believe why isn't this tattoo in this report that it's, it's like, actually the body of their loved one right and how common that is and how frequently and how careful they have to be so that this doesn't happen and i can understand where you would you would want to believe that this is a mistake and that your loved one is still out there but denial is just so powerful it's yeah. such a strong force they're like they have some of the bones examined and they feel like these are the bones of someone that's five seven but mark was actually six foot we hear a lot from a lieutenant colonel james cole who has a mustache which i drew I think I wrote that one down oh nice and i called it the mock three because it's like very precisely <laughs> shaved you know and at one point someone says they were comparing eggs and oranges and i was like <laughs> Not a phrase. <laughs> not the phrase. That's not that's not a, a not a thing. So 
they're at this point so suspicious that they ask the official records to be changed that Mark Dennis is not dead but missing in action. And I did the tiniest bit more research on this. There's an article in Newsweek that I would really recommend called The Story Behind the POW MIA Flag. And it talks about how Nixon is the one that introduced the missing in action classification. I don't even know what you call that. But he introduced that term and that previously soldiers would have been considered killed de- in action. deceased, body not recovered, or something like that. But he sort of put this idea that, like, oh, there's, they might be still out there. Which they're I th- missing. Yeah. They're missing. We don't really know what happened. And I think that's honestly harmful to, like, prolong that. Anyway, so that's like a, that is sort of in this area as a new terminology. And I feel like that sort of factors into the story and the thinking of this family. Oh, probably. For that sure. instead of accepting that your loved one is dead, you continue to have this hope. Anyway, the prisoners come home in 73. Mark's not with them. At some point, Robert Stack seems like he's in a school, and I don't understand why. Um, they end up talking to... There was one soldier who survived the helicopter crash, and the family ends up hearing from him, and he says that two men jumped out, but he assumed that they died. And then the military was like, this is a helicopter that's plummeting to the earth. They did not survive. They did not survive. And also, just because he thinks they jumped out doesn't mean they actually made it out. Or, like, this is a smoky, very confusing situation. Who, you know, who the hell knows? But there's no way they just, like, got up and walked (laughs) away. Then there's a very, very annoying scene where... Was this his brother? I think his brother and his wife. Yeah. I and his brother's wife, who has a fantastic fucking beehive. This oh, gigantic yeah. hot, like, white beehive. It's totally amazing. So they're in D.C., you know, investigating, looking for clues, whatever. They're in a bar talking about it. And this fucking chode <laughs> named... Comes over. I overheard your conversation. Named... What was his name? Who John cares? King you could call him a chode for the rest of the Yeah, time. this fucking chode <laughs> comes over and is like, oh, I couldn't help but uh, overhear your your situation. I also was a POW in the war. And uh, yeah, the, I was moved to several camps. And I, I did once meet someone named Dennis. And they're like, oh, my God, what was his last name? And he was like, oh, uh, yeah. So we all went by nicknames. Yeah. So I actually don't know. Obviously, I wouldn't want to know people's names. So maybe I could relay them that information to someone obviously we went to by nicknames and they were like well but he knew his first name what was his his last name what was his nickname and they was like pick the most fucking generic nickname that someone in the the military could have oh we called him preacher and then his brother was like oh my god it had to be him because he he was religious and no one else is (laughs) and oh this makes me so angry so then, of course, at this point in the conversation, they pull out a photo, and the guy's like, oh, that's yeah, him. that's him. Guess what? Wasn't him. This guy's not legit He's never all. been a prisoner. Yeah. The, re- the military has no record of the, a man by this name. I feel like this guy is being just a, prisoner a of war. con artist. Of course he is. He was just trying to get money out of them or something. He was, he was probably seeing if they were good marks, and then 
probably found out they didn't have any money and fucking moved on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if he could have been like, oh, if only I had a couple grand to go to Vietnam, I, I could probably get them out myself. I, I know where it is, you know? Yep. And then they could have like given him his life, their life savings. And he, they, yeah, they never would have heard from quote unquote John King again. Yep. What a chode. I mean, that's completely reprehensible that you would prey on people in this situation. It's so gross. So the Navy tells us that that photo that was in Newsweek. Okay, so this airs on Unsolved Mysteries at one point. Guess what? Unsolved Mysteries has to come back and Navy, do a correction. The Navy is not happy. No. That clearly got a lot of phone calls from a lot of angry old ladies <laughs> that were like, how dare you? What have you done with Mark Dennis? And so Robert Stack has to come out in his general in the gentleman's study and be like, okay, so we heard from the Navy and we've, we've got a few updates for you folks. One of them was that the photo in Newsweek is actually this pot guy, Paul Jalendi. And Samantha's right. It doesn't really look anything up. But he, I mean, is he eating? Like, right, it's exactly. not a good photo of him. No. So. But they confirmed that that was, in fact, him. That was, yeah. So that's not Mark Dennis. This guy, John King, is not a known PDOW. According to Unsolved Mysteries Wiki, it's like he's found out later to be a fraud. I don't really know what that means, but. Like, no one's surprised. It, it's not legit. Unsolved Mysteries has. Uh, the bones buried as Mark Dennis re-examined against known x-rays, and it correlates, right? They're distinctive, you know, whatever. I don't know. He had some injury in childhood, I think. Yeah. And it, it, he broke his collarbone or something. I right. don't know exactly what it was, but yeah, they pretty much definitively determined that those were his those bones. Those are actually his remains. I think part of the problem might have been that this is a fucking helicopter explosion. Are those all his remains? Are those only his remains yeah how are you really gonna know yeah like this is the middle of battle right so yeah maybe one of the leg bones was too short because that one wasn't his leg that was somebody else's leg i know and the thing of it is is you know like i said they can't be out there doing an archaeological dig you know painstakingly separating each individual remain i respect that the military wanted to give this is the only time I will respect anything about the military. I re- will respect that the military wanted to give the family something to bury. Yep. And maybe not every aspect of that was completely correct. I don't think that's malicious. No. I understand why the family assumes the military is lying to them. Sure. <laughs> like, that makes perfect sense to me. I think getting the death certificate was a smart move. I think after that leaves you with questions. I think assuming the body is smart to put that to rest for yourself but you can't ignore the evidence and which is that's kind of what they're doing at the end of the segment they still have not okay according to unsolved mysteries wiki in the end they do accept oh good that yes because of where they leave you in dead. the show yeah they've decided to have him removed from arlington and buried in a different ser- remove the remains which they do not believe at the time was their son and bury him in a different cemetery okay so this is from what we have from Unsolved Mysteries Wiki, and I don't say this enough, but Unsolved Mysteries Wiki, everybody updated. You're fucking heroes, truly. Thank you, because some of these updates I can't find. I don't know where you're getting them. So like, yeah, thanks, because it says here like John King has since been located after the Unsolved Mysteries podcast and revealed to be a fraud. Okay, I don't really know what that means, but not surprised. Yeah, 
As reported on Unsolved Mysteries and a follow-up on the Mark Dennis case, a forensic examiner of the 1966 remains involved historical x-rays of his spine matched positive to spinal material. Okay, so we knew that. In the period of several years, bones in the possession of the Dennis family have been tested multiple times by independent experts and concluded that they didn't belong to Mark Dennis. The Navy kept saying they did. Jerry Dennis, who was the person, like, most suspicious. Okay, I left this part out, and I've got it. One of the reasons, after talking to John King, that he's convinced that Mark is still alive is because he is a medic and, quote, would be valuable to these people. Yeah. (sighs) They're convinced that... There's there's some racism playing some... Perhaps a very large amount. This is quite a bit. Uh, playing into this as well. And I think that that is partly... That's partly their own biases, and that's partly government manipulation of justifying the war. Mm-hmm. But whenever you're hearing people talk about these, these people, people... You're really gonna... Yeah, take a critical look at that. So, okay. So, he died in 2002 without knowing whatever happened to his brother. In 2016, after a 50-year agonizing and frustrating search for the truth, the Dennis family requested a final forensic examination of the remains using DNA technology. And that came back as a for Mark Okay, Dennis. so they finally had DNA. I was kind of wondering if they ever in the future got DNA. I'm a little bit surprised they waited until 2016, but whatever. Maybe they couldn't afford but, it. Yeah, but I'm sure that just showed a familial match and... Yeah. Then they were like, oh, okay. Finally able to put it to rest good. Well, I'm glad yeah. his family finally was able to the get The Dennis closure. family then decided to officially accept the report, if only to bring some measure of... It's, guys, it's him. It's him. It's him. So the, the remains were then cremated and buried alongside the graves of Mark's late mother and father in Florida in April 2017. Okay. With full military honors. He does have a Vietnam memorial page... Um, if you would like to visit that. Yeah, I, this isn't really a mystery. It's just a hardship for a family. And yeah, it's too bad that the, all those years they had to spend just suffering. And I, I realize I would have always missed him, but I just, my completely non professional opinion was that <laughs> it would have been so much healthier if they could have accepted that they accepted had his the remains time. and that he wasn't still out there. I refer to this article on Newsweek. I really do recommend it. I It talks about the myth that there are still POWs sitting in cages in Vietnam that they're just keeping there for some reason. Feeding. Yeah, that they would still be alive somehow yeah. so Rambo could go set them free. <laughs> um, and it, it sort of talks about how that myth got started as perpetuated by Nixon and then also the Chinese government because that sort of served their purposes. I found this really interesting. Um, so I'll post a link to that if you're curious. Good. Check that out. We'll probably post it on Facebook and Twitter. Okay. I still can't post links on Instagram because I'm not. I don't have a big enough following. Oh my! Oh, Instagram. Well, there you go. On it. There's a reason to follow us. <laughs> yeah, if you don't follow us on Instagram, Find, perhaps it's help you. Us out. Make us influencers that could go to a disastrous festival. Festival, so they could be like, ah, oh, the the perhaps it's you girls are going to be there. We got to <laughs> be there. They're going to be swimming with pigs and and by Pablo Escobar's island. <laughs> Someone paid me a hundred thousand dollars to post something on our Instagram yes. page. I have, uh, you know, we have like not even 500 Twitter followers. <laughs> I 
really want to get to 666. Seriously. But, um... We got a ways to go. Yeah, somehow I don't think we're going to get get paid for posts. I'm just Probably picturing not. us out there. We would have come with, like, big sun hats and that, like... I would be wearing my SPF clothing. Right. So it would be long sleeves. And, long like, pants. zinc sunblock that, uh... The giant wide yeah. brim hat. I have, um, swimming, like, capri pants. <laughs> like, that's my swimsuit. We're just, like, shuffling out there. And we're like, oh. We got a big beach bag full of snacks. We're, like, <laughs> yeah. we're here for the party. We're here. I heard Blink-182 <laughs> is gonna be here, so I... I literally the, almost fell off my chair. The worst, one of the worst bands of all time, so I had to be here. And then they're like, oh, we have cheese sandwiches? All right. Okay. That's okay. Booze and cheese sandwiches? Kind of a waste of money. I got a mattress that's on the ground, and there's probably like little sand mites, but whatever. <laughs> Only five miles from the beach. Oh, my God. Right. Anyway. We just like break into that sandals resort that was nearby. <laughs> That would have been the smart thing to do. Truly. You just, like, try to act like you're a paying customer at Sandal. Walk in the door. Hey! (laughs) Okay. All right, I have our next one, and it is a wanted. So the FBI is searching for a man suspected of killing at least five women. They don't say this in the show, but on Murderpedia, I looked him up, and he was known as the lady killer. Oh, I think they How is that not already taken? That's what I thought. There's probably more than one. But I thought they missed an opportunity to call him the sideburn killer. Oh. Because he's got some she, wicked sideburns. That actually, oh, no, that can't be our MVM. Sorry, never yeah, mind. He's a dirtbag. He's and a also, total sideburns, sideburns aren't a mustache. No, they're not. I just thought it would be like an... I kind of want the, the beehive to be... <laughs> the MVM. I do have a couple MVMs for this mystery. There's one guy named Edward Brown who's got square frame glasses. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Guess Was what? that Natalie's brother? Yes. I, I wrote him down as well. I just called that one square frames. Nice. Later, we'll get a detective, Joseph Surlack. I really liked his mustache. I called that the ginger ale. <laughs> That's good. I thought it kind of, they were sh- sort of shaped like two fish kissing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, we could call it the Swedish fish. Yes. I like that. Because he's, he's got like ginger hair, which yeah. is why I called him the ginger ale. But I, I like <laughs> the Swedish fish, actually. I like that too. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. All right. On July 31st, 1971, in Nassau County, New York, around 11 p.m., a, na- a man named Ricardo Caputo made a call to the police. This reenactment is chilling. It's got like close-up shots of Ricardo's bloody hand holding yes. the payphone. Everything's cast in shadow. Um, Ricardo told the police to go to the home of his girlfriend's parents. Her name was Natalie Brown. Caputo had been dating Natalie for over a year and told authorities that he intended to marry her. Detectives went to the home and found Natalie on the floor of the kitchen covered in blood. She had been stabbed repeatedly. Again, this reenactment is like super gruesome so we have two detectives both wearing robert's deck trench coats yes and they stand they were. over the body of a woman who's covered in blood and she's on the ground but sort of propped up against the cupboards it's yeah, like it's brutal it gives you chills so detective vance rendell says that it was the worst he'd ever seen natalie's brother is interviewed for the show he's the one that has the uh square frame glasses and the mustache he says that he's got a good hipster look he really does. He says that he never saw any signs of, quote, volatile behavior on the part of Caputo. He says that their parents seemed to like him and thought that he was, quote, a nice boy. So, Robert Stack... This is why you can't trust anyone. It's true. 
It's true. So Robert Stack says that Natalie's friends and family described Ricardo as amiable and attractive with a winning personality. But in the case of Ricardo Caputo, appearances were more than deceiving. <gasps> they became a lethal weapon. Oh my goodness. Like the movie? <laughs> yes. Oh. Okay. No, I don't know. Okay, so Robert Stack goes on to say that police believe that since 1971, Caputo has used his lethal charms to kill again and again and again. And again. And again. And again. And again. Because he killed a bunch of people. He did. Uh, that was a good Robert Stack quote. Yeah, that's cool. That's solid. Police- Put that on a, a plaque. <laughs> I'll hang he used that up. His lethal charms to kill again and again and <laughs> I again. Just that hanging up in my house. Like, okay, Liz has gone this too far. Does any of our five listeners work at like a, an engraving place? <laughs> does anyone work at a place that makes like plaques and trophies? Could you whip one of those up for me? Burn that onto some wood. Yeah, make a wall, make a wall hanging. <laughs> so I get the most like hideous wall hanging in the mail, and I'm like, I'm not hanging this up. <laughs> Put this on the fire. Police discover after arresting Caputo that he had been treated for mental illness at an Argentina uh, hospital before he came to the United States in 1970. A psychiatric review determined that he was not competent to stand trial, so he was remanded to the Matawan State Hospital in upstate New York. I tried to find out what his if he had a diagnosis or what his mental illness was, and it doesn't seem like anything on the internet talks about it. So I really wasn't able yeah, to find. I would be curious why he wasn't fit to stand trial, because it does seem like he's very competent. He just really appears to be. A lot of, I mean, the articles focus on his killing spree and don't really yeah. talk about. Hmm, that would be interesting if anybody knows that. And I did, I'm going to be honest, I did minimal research, so it might be out there. Well, of course. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> what, what do you think this show is? <laughs> so, Madawan was a maximum security institution. There, Caputo met a 26 year old psychologist named Judith Becker. Uh, Jane Stores, oh. Judith. Okay, I failed to mention that we were inspired by a certain corset maker to be living life. the glamour in our life. Yeah, which of course meant that we needed to record today while drinking champagne floats and eating French toast sticks, which is what glamorous people do. Look, it's Minnesota glamour, all right. Yeah, I saw French toast sticks at the store and I went, this is happening. We put whipped cream and blueberries on them. I made that whipped cream. It was delicious. I whipped that up and I put some maple syrup in there. We have fresh blueberries. But okay, so the French, the, the champagne flow, at first I was like, I don't, I don't know about this. Has it gotten better? It's I might gotten have been better here. as it's melted. I took a sip and was so pleasantly surprised. Whoa. Cheers Ooh, to me. That is good. Yeah, it tasted a little weird at first. I think we should have gotten sorbet instead yeah, of vanilla ice cream. Yeah, that would have been But you're right. Like, now there's this, like foamy froth to it it's very uh, it's like ice silky cream froth on the top that's infused with champagne we're gonna be trying to live more more glamorous podcasting lives okay give us your feedback on this liz thinks we should get luxurious robes podcasting robes to wear because like we say every episode it's cold in here we have to turn the heat off it's gonna be negative 68 degrees this week in minnesota that's not the wind chill that's the actual air temperature you can step outside and fucking die i think we could easily put luxurious robes on over our clothes should here. they have our names embroidered on them Some should they have for sure a monogram yeah for sure i wonder if you could just get like a ufo i was gonna say maybe robbie stacky's head yeah just like the gray alien head i gotta go look at Etsy on on luxurious robes is this what we do with your patreon money maybe sure i like well i feel like that's what people would want us to do 
That's a podcasting expense. Robes to keep us warm. (laughs) Yeah. Trying Liz to stay is wearing, alive here. I'm the, wearing the my shawl. shawl. Liz is wearing the shawl that, that Gary knitted this for us. This is actually very handy for podcasting. It really is because like I have a big quilt over me, which is warm but a little clumsy. It's kind of yeah. big. That one's just I a perfect a, size. I have a, a bl- uh, blanket on my lap and then my <laughs> my shawl. Still in my pajamas, of course, because god damn it, I'm just hitting everything today <laughs> because I'm living a, a life. I What I aspire to is like a life of very luxuri- luxurious but lazy glamour. <laughs> you know, like glamorous the best kind. loungewear. Like I want to be lying on a feigning couch or on a veranda. I don't want to be really doing anything. The police knock on your door to ask where your husband has been and for the I last And then I stand up weeks. in my robe and I'd be like, oh, my husband? Why? I haven't seen him in such time. <laughs> Have you checked the garage? <laughs> you know? And then I like adjust my gigantic black brim hat. <laughs> drink my champagne float (laughs) this is what i want because i watched too many old movies on pbs as a child and i really thought adult life was going to involve like throwing drinks into fireplaces and solving murders on trains it should i don't know it's bullshit i don't know why i had parents and they didn't do those things (laughs) but i was like i need a bar cart i need a fainting couch and i need luxurious robes (laughs) we're we're getting there yeah the, the podcast is rolling in. Yeah, slowly yeah, rolling in. Slowly. <laughs> okay, so we see... G- <laughs> Randomest tangent. Just me being like, ooh, well, what a Liz, great float. Liz took a sip of her float and discovered that it's it's aged well over the course of this podcast. <laughs> They've been sitting here. They don't look appetizing, I'll say that. No. But they're pretty tasty. It looks a little bit like an egg cream. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Okay, so we see Jane Storrs, Judith's sister, who describes Judith as wanting her patients to trust her like they would a friend. Judith char- was charmed by Caputo. We see a reenactment in which Judith tells Caputo that he has been recommended for a program in which inmates are going to go outside and grow a garden, and he cheerfully says, I will grow you the biggest tomatoes. Um, over the next two years, Caputo worked to gain Judith's trust. What would someone say to you to gain your trust, Samantha? Um... I will I mean, find you, know, you growing the, me the biggest tomatoes is not a bad choice. I will find you I the largest houseplant. I love a garden. Yes. And then you'd be like, this guy can't be all bad. <laughs> I know he committed murder, murder most foul, but I would like to see these houseplants. He's getting me a monstera. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. You'd be like, I've saved these mini eggs from you from last Easter. <laughs> And I would be like, oh, you couldn't be such an evil man. You have my trust. Yeah. Are you serving that to me in an old Pyrex dish? <laughs> Topped with a Polly Pocket? We've had a lot of requests for Liz's rich person voice. <laughs> I think people were a little disappointed that when we were talking about <laughs> the rich. She was English, and I, I'm not going to do an English voice. Sure, sure. So that's why there wasn't rich. I should have just done the regular rich person voice, but yeah, missed opportunity. We can't go back and do it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And someone invented a time machine, and I'll redo the episode. <laughs> All right. So Detective John Serlak, who I think he was the one with the Swedish fish mustache. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Says that other inmates reported that Caputo began bragging to them that he was going to use Judith Baker to escape. Two years after arriving in Matawan, Judith helped Ricardo get transferred to a Manhattan psychiatric hospital. This hospital was much less restrictive and allowed patients to leave the facility during the day. It's I don't know how this came to be that I he mean, got transferred there. Yeah, 
I think that would be a good policy, like in general, but not for a someone who a stabbed a woman, like over and over again. Yeah, I'm not sure he is the right candidate. Not anticipating that this guy can. He's patient. This is a long con, man. He's not in it for like five minutes to Two try to escape. Two years it took. Yeah, like he'll he'll keep wet working that charm until he gets what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so this new freedom allowed Judith and Caputo to spend more time together outside of the hospital walls. There is debate about how intimate the two were. Detective Serlak says that Ricardo would routinely go to Judith's apartment in Yonkers. And we kind of know what he's implying, but Judith's sister insists that their relationship was not romantic. Jane says that her sister, quote, knew enough about her profession to know what would be considered inappropriate. But the thing is, is that Judith already crossed a line with Ricardo by having him literally go to where she lives. Um, the thing is, she the, the line is definitely blurred, if not completely crossed. She's... I, I think that she honestly was optimistic in trying to help him and Probably. maybe did get kind of snowed in by his charm. But I think that she let her personal and professional life in trying to help him. I think she let those two worlds blur too much. I think so. And the other reason why people believe that they had a romantic relationship in some capacity was that she even took Caputo home to meet her family, introducing him as a co-worker. Yeah, that is weird. In October. Fair enough. 1974, Judith failed to meet her parents for a boating trip. They became concerned. They're like standing outside on her front steps arguing in the reenactment, and I found that incredibly realistic and hilarious. Yes, it was. Well, did you push the right button? I was like, I did, but I did. Like, I loved that. So. They got the superintendent to let them in. Inside, they discovered dinner for two on the coffee table in the living room. In Judith's bedroom, they found her body. She had been beaten and strangled. That is terrible, but did I love Judith's place? (laughs) Her living room has the most gigantic bar running down one side of it with, like, every type of cup. That's glamour. That really was. That's glamour. We're on the lookout for glamour now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And some, I can't remember who... Some actress that John Waters works with recommended keeping a bar in your bedroom. Ooh. And that idea has really stuck with me. It was like, if you if you want to get men, you need a bar in like every room of your house, <laughs> including your bedroom. And I was like, that is pretty great. It would be nice. You're just sitting in bed. Yeah. And- I was like, I don't have room for that in my bedroom, but I like the way you think. Very, you're very wise. So police began to hunt for Caputo, but he had disappeared into thin air. Six months later, Ricardo met another woman. Barbara Taylor was a book editor in San Francisco. There are photos of them visiting Yosemite. But on March 30th, 1975, Barbara was discovered beaten to death in her apartment. Caputo's fingerprints were found at the scene. Six months later, in Texas, a man calling him himself Ricardo Diaz was handed over to U.S. immigration by Mexican authorities. They said that detained at a facility in El Paso. No charges were filed against him. They said it was an administrative thing. I don't know what that means, but... He sounds racist, when, but whatever. Yeah, when he was fingerprinted, Ricardo knew that his true identity would soon be discovered. So one night, he and three other detainees took a guard hostage They had made makeshift weapons from items they found in the kitchen. The men fled the compound, fleeing across the border into Mexico using a stolen car. All of the men were recaptured except for Caputo. 
So Caputo made it to Mexico City, where he moved in with a college student named Laura Marie Gomez. She was 21 years old. Two years later, uh, Laura Marie was found in her apartment, brutally tortured and murdered. She was two and a half months pregnant with Caputo's baby. Police believe Ricardo is also responsible for the murder of 60-year-old Jackie Bernard, a prominent author and social activist. Bernard was found murdered in her Westside Manhattan apartment on January 22nd, 1985. A private investigator who was also wearing a Robert Stack trench coat. Look, Robert Stack has set the trend out there and everybody's just following along. You really did. So he received an anonymous phone call identifying Jackie's killer as Ricardo Caputo. The caller claimed that Caputo bragged about killing several other women and also some men. The superintendent of Jackie's apartment building was shown a photo of Caputo and was certain that he had seen the same man attempting to gain entrance into Jackie's apartment. In the update... We see a terrible police sketch that looks nothing like Ricardo no. Caputo. They have photos of him, so I don't know why they didn't show that. And it says... Yeah, it's like, just... Why release a sketch? There's, there's no point. This sketch point. is just like an egg with a face drawn on it. <laughs> Pretty much. So it says that... <laughs> what if that's what they released? They, like, held up an egg with, have like, you, a smiley face drawn. They're like, look for this guy. Have you seen those, like, Instagram videos where people take an egg and put makeup on it and make it look like a little face? Yes. I love those. <laughs> People are real good at it. Anyway. Maybe, what if they did that, but they made it Ricardo yeah. Caputo? That, that would have been more realistic than the sketch. If it had actually looked like him. <laughs> yeah. Like, we put makeup on this egg to simulate his face, and everybody was like, oh, I know that guy. <laughs> we'll find him later today. So the update says that after nearly 20 years on the run, Ricardo Caputo turned himself in to police in New York City. He pled guilty to three murders and was to two murders, I'm sorry, and was sentenced to 25 years to life. After serving only three years, Caputo died of a heart attack while playing basketball in Attica. He was 48 years old. This is a very strange case. Yeah. I, I think he's technically a serial killer, but you're, I can't really think of someone else that's like with someone for two years, then murdering them and then moving on. Right. The cooling off murder period thing is so strange. It's bizarre. They describe him as having a violent temper. So it does seem like he will get violent and then there's at some point he will get so violent that he will end up murdering someone. Probably these relationships were abusive and it just got to a point where eventually he was bound to kill them and he did. And then he moved on to the next woman. Ugh. So pretty awful. And yeah, took 20 years to find him and Actually, they didn't find him. He turned himself he in. He just got sick of being on the run. I guess. And was like, I'd rather play basketball in Attica. Thank you. Yeah, I guess. Um, so that's really... Wow. It's an upsetting story. And yeah, Unsolved Mysteries talks about very few serial killers. This wasn't a serial killer I've heard of. So... Yeah. it's. I'm sad he wasn't caught minutes after the broadcast, but... Yeah. Can't all can't can't catch them all. Can't catch them all. No, it's not. It's not Pokemon. Okay, I have an unexplained for everyone. We haven't had one of these in a little while. No, we haven't. So Robert Stack tells us that UFOs can usually be explained away as airplane lights, weather balloons, military mo- maneuvers, even mass hysteria. Okay. But then goes on to s- explain that sometimes there is photographic proof that is hard even for skeptics to dismiss. This is one of those cases. Is this when he was walking through the, that hall with the photographs He starts in like, side? yeah, like a gentleman's study again. But then he, he starts walking down a hall that's... It was almost like an art exhibit of this woman's yeah, photographs. Giant blow-up photos of these Vancouver lights. 
which are they almost look like fireworks they're just like trails of light it looks like someone took a photo on like low shutter speed yeah of some fireworks or maybe like a flashlight thrown into the air yeah they're not detailed they're no. just like a squiggly light line thing. in the sky right okay so we hear about that in vancouver there's an inordinate number of ufo sightings but many of them are by the same woman dorothy isat her first oh, sub- dorothy I, she she's super sweet yes so sweet so charming come on the show dorothy we would love to have you I'm not sure dorothy's with us anymore well what her ghost is welcome well her ghost is always invited anyone's ghost is well maybe no. not anyone samantha lots of ghosts are invited. we're gonna get the ghost of jack the ripper in here it's gonna be terrible we want some answers no don't, don't turn the jack the ripper's ghost <laughs> oh, away yeah you're right okay could, could you imagine we broke that story no <laughs> i can't the, the ghost of jack the ripper is on the show today it's gonna tell I all. Cannot imagine that. <laughs> I literally can't. Okay. Dorothy's first UFO sighting was in 1974. She was in her kitchen making some tea, and then she felt like someone was watching her. Like that song. And she looked out her window, and what did she see? But an enormous diamond. Yes. And she said, it was so beautiful to look at, I felt very privileged to be able to see something like that. What a nice thing to say. Yeah. But of course, Dorothy's friends and family did not believe that she had seen a UFO. What did they think she saw? I don't know. Did she hit her head or something? <laughs> Who knows? But she was motivated by their skepticism to prove that she was right. I can understand. God damn, do I appreciate that. <laughs> She, I relate, Dorothy. She didn't have this conversation where she was like, "You'll not, Samantha, you're never going to believe what I saw next night. And, and Samantha goes, yeah, right. And she didn't go, oh, yeah, you're probably right. It was probably just a light or something. But she was like, I can show you. I'll show you. As I was sitting there making tea, you thought I was this sweet, sweet little lady. No, i show you, bitch. So out of spite, she decides to find a way to communicate with the lights okay sure she goes outside with a flashlight and she like blinks it three times and this that's dangerous dorothy you know what you're saying to these these aliens also are they just like always there i guess i guess she was literally like well i'm gonna i'm gonna communicate with them i'll just go outside right now blink 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 (laughs) and they blink black blink 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 she was like oh they are communicating they're intelligent it's not just me okay so Oh, okay. And she caught this on film, these lights. And what was different about it being on film versus her naked eye is that she could see that there was this momentary flash of light. And if you look at just that frame, you see you have these little dots of light, but then there's like squiggles in between them on just that one frame. And it's, she interpreted that as the dots were communicating with each other. Okay. Like, okay. hey, what the hell's Dorothy up to? <laughs> I don't know. Why does she keep insulting us with that three thing? What a bitch. Who knows? Okay. So then we hear from a psychologist who's like, look, I'm not a photography professional. I can't speak on the, the nature of her photographs. But I will tell you that Dorothy is a nice person and she's not lying. Sure. Okay. No, I'm sure Dorothy believes that she's seeing aliens. Exactly. Lights. Just because Dorothy is not lying doesn't mean that it's true. 
I think in her heart, she sincerely believes what she's saying. Okay, great. Um, then we hear from a photography expert that says, like, look, you can make these light tricks in various ways. What I can't explain is how she's getting these really bright lights to occur on only one frame. So she publishes these photos. She's in lots of, like, UFO magazines and newsletters whatever so she so becomes famous to like ufo stands i you know i don't know me in the seventh grade those people so people would come to live visit her to hear of her tale people sought her out and we hear from one dude who i really just wrote down one dude i have no idea what his name was goes to visit her and as she's telling her story he's like dorothy i don't mean to be rude but it's hard to listen to you while I hear this very loud, sensa- weird sensation in one ear. And Dorothy was like, oh, you hear it too? And he was like, yes. And she was like, you're the first one that can hear it. And he's like, hear what? And she was like, they're here. Well, that's creepy. So they go to the window and he looks out and he's like, I don't see anything. And she was like, but where are you looking? And he was like, I'm looking like off in the distance. And she was like, no, it's right there. She points to one side, and he was like, oh, there it is. And it was like this metal object floating there. And she giggled, and the guy (laughs) interpreted that giggle as her saying, there you go. What do you think of that? That's not how I would interpret it, but... And then I kind of drew the object, which is sort of UFO-shaped, but more boxy. And I had no sense of how big that was supposed to be. Was that, like, the size of a hot dog? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> or was that, like, a ship a person could get on? I have no... choose to believe it was the size of a hot dog. <laughs> the aliens... We don't know how big these aliens are, okay? They could be very small. I don't know. They're all just... They've got little understand. holes in the side of the hot dog. They're looking out, waving at Dorothy. <laughs> I don't understand. So, she just... There's not a whole lot more to the story. She wanted to keep recording and preserving these visitations so that other people could study and make sense of them. Unsolved Mysteries went to visit her. She pointed at the lights and they were like, we don't see anything. (laughs) There's nothing there, Dorothy. And they got her to record on her camera and a couple of lights showed up and they're like, well, use our camera. And nothing showed up except one tiny light that couldn't be explained. And I was like, like, like dust? Like a car driving in the distance reflecting like a off a window? Fly? Like what? Maybe her camera is just broken. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought was maybe like light is getting into her camera. Like it's not sealed properly and it's creating these weird effects on the film. What was unusual about her case at the time was that she was capturing stuff on an eight millimeter camera as well as a film camera. And I'm not, I feel like most most ufo footage before that was all just still photography but that doesn't mean there's not something wrong with her eight millimeter camera particularly if it's only showing up on her camera and not like more professional cameras yeah but dorothy seems like a very nice woman it doesn't say here that she's dead so she's welcome to come on the show you're invited dorothy yeah you're listening hope to see you soon The end. The end. Well, that was the last segment of yeah, today's episode. Yeah, we spent so much on the uh, Mark Dennis case that we only got three mysteries, and you know how I feel about that. Yeah. Bad! That's how I feel. <laughs> okay. Did I just scream in your ear? Sorry. Uh, yeah, so should we rate this episode? <laughs> sure. Mysteriousness. Um, Not very mysterious. No. Mark Dennis 
sorry to say, is dead. Yeah, that they, guy is a murderer. They knew who was responsible for these murders. They I don't know think these lights are real. No, so good thumbs down. Thumbs uh, down. Reenactments. They were okay. Fine. I mean, the ones in my mystery were pretty chilling. I don't know if that's appropriate, but... Yeah. So, I don't know how to rate that, but... I the Mark Dash ones were kind of sad. Yeah. The lights ones were kind of silly. It's all over the place. Yeah, it really is. I'm so, like a- I, it's a thumb is just like wiggling. Whoa. <laughs> 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 that's, that's what it gets. Okay, that's fine. It's our podcast. We can rate it however we want. <laughs> yep. uh, fashion. Okay. The beehive. I have to give it a thumbs way up just for the beehive. It's so good. That beehive I is wanted something. to put little bees in it. <laughs> If anybody saw the On most sticks, you just re- stick them most in. recent uh, Drag Race All Stars, where Latrice Royale was wearing a, a great beehive that had a little fake bees in it, that's oh man, so good. Okay, woman could have used those. Could have used those. Uh, yeah, I liked it. Sure, fine. I mean, it's it's a really lot, the lot of trench though. coats, lots of trench coats, and a beehive. So yeah, that gets a thumbs sure, up. Thumbs up, Robert Stack. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's in a school. I don't get that part. I like him walking through the gallery of UFO photos, <laughs> clearly being like, "So this woman's a loon. Let's <laughs> let's hear about her." Because <laughs> you can tell he hates all of these paranormal segments. Oh yeah, what was that? I don't know. There's gonna be a lot of weird noises I'm, in this episode. Yeah, I apologize. I don't know where those noises are coming I from. I think it's a ghost, but maybe. I feel like if we say it's a ghost, it's fine that we leave it in the recording. <laughs> I don't know how to remove it, but it's just a ghost. It's a ghost. It's good. So, out of a possible five Robert Stacks. I don't really like this one. I wasn't a huge fan. I'm going to say two. Yeah, like two, two and a half. I, I was curious about the Mark Dennis thing because I was I was ready to be like, the Navy's lying to them. Da, 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 da. But in the end, it's just sad. When you first see the photo, you really are like, whoa. That, yeah. What, is that him? Yeah. It, the resemblance is striking, but it's... Then you find out that it's really not... That's not the case. I'm just, like, primed depressing. to be suspicious of the military. So sure. I was like, sure, let's, like, let's go there. Let's do this. And then I was like, oh, this is just sad. This is just real... I just feel bad for them. Yeah. It's depressing. It's depressing, and I don't know. Do you have a recommendation for us? I do. Okay. I actually have a podcast recommendation. Ooh, I love hearing new podcasts. I don't know that you will like this podcast. Okay. But I do. All right, let's hear it. It is called the Purple Stuff Podcast, and it's almost hard to categorize. It's a very nostalgic podcast. Okay, okay. And it, in this way, relates to our podcast, because it's very obsessed with, like, the 80s into 90s era. So it is uh, two dudes on the East Coast, Jay and Matt, talking about a lot of things from their childhood that they are, like, obsessed with, but also, like, Halloween novelties, like, now. This sounds right up. Did they make this just for you? I know. I love it. Because... I want to hear two men talk in depth about buying pumpkin spice candles. <laughs> I really do. And go on and on about like old commercials and Kool-Aid flavors they don't make anymore. And if you were a child going up to an ice cream truck, what ice cream would you buy? Oh, God, and that brings like, me right back. Oh, uh, it's such like, it makes me be like, can 
I trick you into being my friend so that we can hang out and drive around and look for limited edition boxes of Count Chocula? Like... Is that something we can do together? I didn't really listen. To, I've been list. I haven't listened to all of them. I've been listening to it a lot lately. I kind of skipped over the Christmas episodes because I'm just not really into that. Sure. But if you like old, kitschy, holiday, childhood shit, which I'm completely obsessed with, and then also like current holiday novelty items. Ooh. This is a podcast for you. It's one of those things that makes me go like, I can't believe there are other people that would want to listen to this. <laughs> and that makes me happy. What it kind of makes me think of is in the second season of Stranger Things, there is a part where Eleven goes to Chicago. Yes. And it's supposed to be the 80s. That and, is the weirdest part about that season. And I'm watching that as someone who was a child by Chicago in the 80s and went, that is not Chicago. How do I know that? Because the ground is not littered with the styrofoam cases Big Macs used to come in, (laughs) which I used to hop on and they made a really great sound when they popped and they were everywhere. And that is why McDonald's no longer uses that very irresponsible packaging. Fascinating. So if you were the type of person that that would bother you... You'll love this podcast <laughs> because it's so stuck on these tiny nostalgic details. And I'm all like, just shoot that right into my veins. Amazing. There's a lot of junk food talk, but I do want to include a caveat that there's a lot of diet talk. Okay. And that's my least favorite thing about the podcast. So I just want to throw that out there that I know there's some toxic diet culture for people who are like reviewing junk food. Like, don't take one bite of something and throw the rest of it away. No. Just stick to your diet. No, you're reviewing junk food. Eat it. (laughs) We have a drawer for snacks here. (laughs) We fully support eating all the snacks. whatever. There's some diet stuff. I don't love that. But in general, big fan of the podcast. One of the hosts runs a blog called Dinosaur Dracula. That's Matt. And goddamn, it's not just the best name you've ever heard. Dinosaur Dracula. That is the best name. I know. So I also have a podcast to recommend because I've been enjoying it a lot lately. So um, I've been listening to this podcast for a while because I kind of wanted to be sure before I recommended it that there wasn't anything problematic in it. But so far, I've been pleased. And that is it's an Alex Jones review podcast. Not review necessarily. It's so I recommended the Behind the Bastards podcast because of their Alex Jones episodes. And then I've subsequently been listening to it obsessively i love that podcast but they had these guys on the show like as an update episode because they do a podcast dedicated to um basically fact checking alex jones and they were on the behind the bastards podcast and the episode was really funny and it got me to subscribe to their podcast which is called knowledge fight And first of all, the first thing I want to say about these guys is I don't know how they do it. They put out three episodes a week. Oh, my God. Each episode is over an hour long. I, they do, like, exhaustive research, because what they do is they... Samantha, quit your job. We're going to do three episodes a week. <laughs> I couldn't do... I could not do it. Um, so they will they switch back and forth between old episodes, so right now they're going through 2009, and then current present-day episodes, and sometimes... Then they do what they call Wacky Wednesday, which is, like, they find weird people that are Alex Jones adjacent on the internet to listen to, like, their shows and laugh at them and fact-check them, and... They systematically go through, like, everything he says, because everything he says is a lie, 
and ridiculous and racist and horrible and anti-Semitic and whatever. And then they, oh yeah, he's they will, like the absolute worst. Like painstakingly, meticulously fact check everything that's and tell you why it's wrong. And that's I such a burden because it's everything. Yeah, it's well, like you have to go find a source to prove the Earth isn't flat. You know what I mean? Just like okay, oh. I will say they they will skip over some things that oh. are like so obviously wrong. But so like he'll make claims about current events that are just flat out lies, flat out wrong. Sometimes he'll take like a kernel of truth and just wildly misrepresent it, and they'll go through and find out like this is why it's wrong. And he's also just wacky, so then there's a lot to laugh about, and they'll point out things that he's doing that's harmful to people, and it's just really so good. much of it is harmful, and it seems like the hosts this is something they weirdly enjoy to do so i don't know that they consider it yes i don't know that they consider it a burden i will say i have not listened to their backlog because it gets to be a little bit much it's a little bit it's a lot a lot it's a lot of alex jones but they're super funny guys and i don't know that they're comedians i think maybe they have done a little bit of stand-up comedy it seems like they've talked a little bit about their past and it seems like they have done lots of things um but they're hilarious they will do these things where they'll drop like out of context quotes from alex jones and they're fucking hilarious the only downside is you i kind of have to be careful where i'm listening to it because they will play a lot of clips oh yeah and so it will sound if you accidentally press play on your phone and your podcast app at the wrong Everybody's time. Everybody's going to go, Samantha listens to Alex Jones. <laughs> yes, it's just Alex Jones. And it's like, no, no, I'm really not. I've totally had this happen on the bus where like your headphones get unplugged from your phone until your phone just starts playing like out loud and then everybody on the bus is like, oh, that woman over there is listening to Total Eclipse of the Heart, which I am, you know, I wish so- I am. But I would hate that that's embarrassing enough but like for i would it to be alex jones be alex jones you have to be like no i'm listening to it to prove how wrong it is <laughs> no one's gonna believe you so i really it's also fun to kind of keep up with what's going on with him because he has suffered some legal losses that Good. are very satisfying as Good. of late and so they will talk about that and it i don't know they I, i'm blown away by the amount of research they do they're very well spoken they're funny i think they're doing a service to everyone they've i think it's live now but they have put together like a alex jones wiki that details a lot of his claims and why they're wrong so like if you have a relative or something who listens to alex jones and subscribes to these crazy <laughs> conspiracy series you could potentially oh, send them to the wiki page about that is such a great community resource that we all need yeah so i really think they're doing god's work um and i really enjoy the Don't podcast mean satan's well, work yes depends how you look at it i guess yes i guess it does um i was gonna there's one other thing i was gonna say that i can't but now I, it slipped my mind oh but i keep interrupting speaking you speaking of accidentally playing your podcast at the, the at the wrong podcast at the wrong time i came this close at my work so my office is very quiet uh, there's a lot of people that are, aren't in their office very often they're out in the field the people who are there tend to really focus on their work so it's very quiet and i will often listen to podcasts when i'm doing more mindless tasks and i was listening to the behind the bastards podcast their recent episodes were about the Ku Klux Klan. And I don't remember the context, I apologize. But they said something along the lines of, yeah, it was a fucking thing. Like, it was about fucking. <laughs> like, whatever they were talking about was about fucking. And I, instead of hitting pause on my phone and taking my headphones out of my ears, I pulled the headphones out of the phone, and I heard a little blip, like of sound like it was just about to play but then it paused itself and i was like oh my god that could have been so bad (laughs) because my it was up real loud here's samantha's quiet office and then all of a sudden it was a fucking thing (laughs) coming from my cubicle what huh what was that 
What's Samantha doing over there? Yeah, not good. I also... Not watching pornos while at work. So, you gotta be careful with some of these podcasts. <laughs> Which ones you listen to not at work. Not safe for work. Yeah. Um, not uh, safe for not having your headphones in. Yeah. I think they're doing a service to the world. And, like I said, it's not something to that I could... great nation. It's not something I could binge, so I haven't listened to a lot of their back episodes. But I have been listening to each one that comes out each week and... Thoroughly sure. enjoying it. Cool. So. I also, as an update to a previous recommendation, I got some new witch Ooh. baby body butter in the scent Moon Lips. <laughs> I'm not crazy about that name, <laughs> but I wanted to make Samantha smell it because it okay, smells. Okay, I see it's purple. To me, I would say this smells like a Lucky Charms marshmallow. Ooh, isn't it so good? Yeah, I smell some like vanilla. Mmm, that is so. Good. Max said it smelled like the Trader Joe's cookie butter. Yeah, I could, I'm getting cookie butter from this. I'm going to put a little on my hands. Do it. The air in Minnesota right now is so dry. Everything on me is... I'm just going to bathe in this glass jar somehow. I think I might order some body butter this You evening. should. Oh, you should. The Valentine's Day products are out now. You know what I need? Do they pay us? To order. No. I forgot. Should they? Yes. I was going to order some Valentine's polar water. Oh, yeah. They have the black heart one? Yeah. The black and red heart ones. You can So you can order polar water on this website called Box or okay. Boxed. I think it's Boxed. D-E-D. Um, and it's like a bulk food place. And you can only get the one liter bottles, unfortunately. But you can order polar water. So I want to get the winter limited editions because i haven't been able to find them <laughs> and i think they're gonna be gone soon so i was gonna get a case of the they're 12 dollars each i think for like the big case and you have to order have a, it's like a 20 dollar minimum order so i was gonna get the valentine ones we'll just, and the winter we'll ones because i think that would and there's it's like the um mythical creatures polar water where you don't know what the flavors are oh because i was trying to find out what flavors the valentine's ones are and we should say, we should drink them on the show if it's black licorice i swear to god i'm gonna riot I don't okay. want black licorice polar water. All but right. Let's riot if that happens. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm ready. Liz is on board. So I might order some of that this week, too. Sounds great. Sounds lovely. Oh, thanks, everyone. I hope you're warm. I hope yeah. you're well. I hope you're happy and healthy. I hope you're warm. We won't be warm I here, hope but... You're, I hope you're warmer than us. And you should follow us on social media. Facebook. Perhaps it's you. Instagram and Twitter. You should email us. A couple of people have sent their paranormal stories. That is awesome. Much we, appreciated. We have not read them yet. We're going to read them when we do a listener story show. So I haven't responded to your emails yet. Other people, paranormal stories. We need them. Send them our way. Did you get bit by a vampire? Did, <laughs> did you see a mommy that was walking around? Did you see? I want to hear about that. <laughs> did you see a, a ghost? Yeah, that send us those stories. <laughs> Perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. Yes. We have new Patreon tiers. Go to patreon.com slash perhaps it's you to see them. It includes coloring pages for $5. And an extra special surprise for $10 yeah. every quarter. They are the mystery solver level. That's $1 yeah. or less. They are the super mystery solver solver level, five to ten dollars, five to nine dollars, I guess, and then the super duper mystery solver level, what? Which is ten dollars more. And you might out. think nobody would do that. Ah, uh, some suckers People already have. have been doing so it. you're wrong. Yeah. Um, pr- I think. Yeah, actually, our it'll already be our out. January episode will be out by the time you hear this. Hotel hell. Hotel, 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 hotel hell. Hotel hell. <laughs> 
Oh my god. <laughs> if you want to hear us sing that song and also talk about Gordon Ramsay in, in a, a speedo. speedo, you can tune into that. You can get that for the one dollar. That $1 hotel level. isn't haunted, but it is haunted by a bad share rendition. <laughs> so we'll forever be haunted by that. Next month we are doing ghost adventures and we have friend of the pod Kara on the show. Yeah, it's really fun. We already recorded it this. It. It's so, ready. And then I don't know if we've chosen something for March yet. Yeah, for for like not even a second i was like oh maybe we should do the bundy tapes and then i was like no that's mm. depressing as hell is that's the worst idea you ever had i'm also ted bundy out i think yeah that's fair. should i make liz watch balto Just oh kidding. That's okay. i wasn't totally serious about that but you can buy balto on amazon so if you're interested we could do that we could one do balto <laughs> make liz if anybody it. wants that to happen let, let us, us know. know we also may or may not have a Pupcast minisode coming out. Yeah, that's a that, mystery. Yeah, that's a rumor I heard. Anyway, it's uh, a mystery whether that'll happen. <clears throat> do, 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 do. You should treat yourself to a champagne float or some French toast sticks or a nice wrap yeah. in a shawl. Yeah, <laughs> buy yourself a luxurious robe. Yeah, yeah, and solve some mysteries, bitches. Absolutely. Do that most of all. Bye. Bye.